This is a story all about how the church gets flipped, turned upside down. We gotta go out and sow some seeds, some land in the rocks and some in the weeds. It's a risky job, but it's the Lord's will. There are hearts out there that need to be fed. Let's build a church with all our might. Let's build a church that's trusting God and do it right. The Bible never said it'd be a piece of cake. But follow the Lord and the word and let's make a place for everyone, safe and sound, where charity and love abound. Let's build a church wherever we may. Let's build a church, let's be the church every Hey, this is Katie Nakamura Ringers, your staff officer for church planting with the Episcopal Church. It's April and it's beautiful here in Birmingham, and I'm spending a lot of time outside these days, walking, gardening, and watching my kids roll down our grassy hill outside the house. So it feels fitting in this episode to introduce you to one of our new Episcopal communities that intentionally meets outdoors all the time in all seasons of the year. It's called UP Wild Church, and they're part of the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan. Wild Church gathers around a love of God's creation, the healing of the earth, and mutual love, accountability, and worship. And increasingly, they're hearing people say, Wild Church is my church. Here's my conversation with their mission developer, Lanny Lonto and Ken Kelly. Well, my name is Lanny Lonto, and I am the mission developer for UP Wild Church, which just to give us some context, we are an NEC uh, with also very strong diocesan support from the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan. But we are also an ELCA um, church plant as well. And we have a lot of support from the Northern Great Lakes Synod. So I'm the curator of all this craziness. And I have with me. Hey, I'm Ken Kelly. Uh, I'm retired for a long time now. Um, I grew up in a traditional church tradition. Um, but Lanny's signal to me really brought me. I've been a devotee of nature all of my life. And I found recently um that i that i was turning more and more to to just doing my own devotionals in nature and the invitation that lanny issued was just uh, too much to resist and i find that wild church is my church it is my church uh, we had and i'll get into that later but we've had a few people say that and then just from a church planting mission developer standpoint it's like I have to go sit in the woods for a while and just contemplate that people are finding a wellspring here. So we started this uh, crazy holy experiment in July of 2019. Uh, and so we sort of started out asking the question, and where are all the young people from our church? And I think a part of the reason this really resonated for me to want to say, I'm going to accept doing this <laughs> um, church planting which as we know, as church planters is like, you know, you jump down a rabbit hole and then you're there and you're like, wow, okay, this is exciting. And it's also very challenging, but was that I grew up in the church and I'd say nine out of 10 people my age who are now have families are no longer 
there next to me in the pews. And there was sort of this mass exodus of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that were no longer really attending church. So the question for us was, can we create something around some values that would make them want to be a part of something? And after we discerned it, it was really uh, faith, connection, and nature. Because given the context of where we are, we're on the upper peninsula of Michigan, which has got millions and millions of acres. Not all of that is untouched, but people who live here or people who transplant themselves here really do so because they want to be in nature and in the wilderness. And I think Ken might understand and agree with that. Oh, my gracious, do I ever. I want to take off on what Lanny just said. Um I have, besides my own meeting, my own spiritual needs, uh, I have taught for 30 years in, in two different universities with young population, 20s students. And uh, so I've been very closely connected to them. And I understand their, their withdrawal from traditional church. Um, but I find that they are, first of all, attracted to nature and the preservation of nature. And they are also deeply spiritual people. The students, the students, the young people I'm talking about, besides being drawn so dramatically to, to, to nature and the universe, are deeply spiritual. And, um, and so that's a, a kind of a second hook for me. Lanny knows we have a wide population. Some of them we haven't quite brought into the circle yet, but a lot of them we have. And a lot, the ones that haven't come in yet are standing on the edge. <laughs> they keep saying, we're coming in, we're coming in. It's such a nice beginning, such a nice beginning. You're touching on, you're sort of, well, sort of connecting some, puzzle pieces or dots for me that there's like some skepticism when people say, I connect with God more out in nature than I do in a traditional church or in, in any church. Can you really be connecting with God through nature without the benefit of other human beings and community? And I feel like there's some dots here that wild churches may be connecting, but I wonder if you'd like, how would you engage that kind of There's a lot there. And I feel like Ken will probably touch on something I don't, but we started out as Katie, you know, this, we started out as an outdoor ministry saying we are intentionally going to gather outside of the walls of church, literally in nature as a community, not alone. So we're taking people who like to go canoeing or like to go on hikes and they like that solitary time. And we're still giving that to them, but we're we're doing it as community. So I'll give you an example. When we first started, the first thing we offered was this outdoor nature prayer service, which was just in a local park. It was easy to access. It had a bathroom. Um, the Lake Superior was right there. So we had our watershed um, and we gathered together in a circle in community. And our homily, in a sense, was going out on our own solitarily into nature for 10 minutes to either befriend something in nature, to look at something with just intently, like to break this mold that we have as a culture of all this distraction and noise going on. And I would tell people just sit for 10 minutes and look at a rock and just allow yourself to just silence yourself. Cause really that's what we're doing. We're just allowing God God is working through this space. And I think that when we say we have to stick to this traditional inside church liturgy, you know, model, we can still do that outside. 
But we can also, God gave us the book of nature. And I think that we've often so much overlooked how much nature is represented in the Bible. And it's not passive. It's very active. It's very involved with praising God. Um, it's, it's doing what God created it to do. And we then become a part and remember that we are all connected and we are a part of that. And really, I think Wild Church is about building that community along with the, the, the creation that God created around us which provides healing for many people. When we go out into nature by ourselves, we're doing that because we're trying to get away from something or we just need to connect to something. Um, and so when we do that in community, we're sort of validating, like we do know that there's a healing presence here and that's what we're trying to tap into. I want to take off on that a little bit. I think as, as they begin to understand that honoring nature is honoring God, uh, I think it's easy for them to transverse to, to a more spiritual feeling. Um, uh, I think it's been, been easy for people to say, well, I go, I go into the woods instead of the church. But um, some of us and most of us that are involved with Wild Church go into, the, go into the woods for real reasons. And maybe the issue is how do we move people into uh, the, the stronger devotional side? And maybe Ken, like the a question for you would be, you know, at what moment did you start to say, "Wild Church is my church"? It's probably a longer story than we can go into now, but at some point, uh, several years, and and you know, had always a church affiliation, and I liked that, and I never would give that up, and I appreciate that. Uh, at some point, several years ago, I found myself living alone. And um, not needing particularly the trappings of, of the church, um, uh, I found that um, the uh, the formal the formal rituals, uh, the readings. There's a social aspect to the traditional church that you probably don't find with Wild Church, and that is Sunday school, recreational groups. There are other groups that gather just for fun coffee after service. A lot of people go to church because they have coffee after service or they go out to breakfast with their friends. Um, at this point in my life, um, I don't require those trappings, but I don't disregard them. Um, I taught as, as a, a young man, I taught Sunday school and I loved those little kids and I love preparing for that. Um, but I find that my spiritual needs now uh, are met um, not on my own, but with but with Lanny and the and the gatherings that we have, and and the nature around us. A part of a part of what we do at UPL Church is we pray together. We also reflect together about we like we we openly reflect about our culture of consumption. We we openly say you know. Jesus asked us to change our lives, asked us to repent from things. And so we aren't afraid to sort of talk about us as people actually making changes in our life and what would that look like. And so we allow for those conversations to happen. So we pray together, we reflect together, and we also, you know, act together. Um, Ken is mentioning that we actually do see ourselves as one of the protectors of this area and that God in Genesis has called us to be stewards of the land and to till it and to care for it and also to protect it because we know, and this is going back to basics, like um, if we don't have 
the planet, if we don't have our ecosystems intact, we don't have life, we don't have air from the trees. So we understand this Christian call. And so a lot of people who, who come to UP Wild want to dive deeper into those conversations. And we have, of course, our 90-day our plan and we have our three to five-year plan, which is all envisioning ways to become more church, um, to get more families involved, um, uh, to do, you know, eventually I can see baptisms down by the river. I mean, there's this growing community that happens, is happening. But we have a few people like Ken who are really starting to get involved and say, you know, this is my church. And then we we meet together and we say, well, what can we do to expand that for more people and to become more church in the wild and church in the world? Okay, I'm intrigued about this piece of the community, about kind of the repentance and ways and how you process some of that. Um, because it, it feels like maybe Wild Church is the space where, where a community can support and hold one another accountable to new practices of how to engage with the earth, which I, I mean, I'm not sure I've seen that anywhere else. Um, I feel like if I'm trying to recycle boxes or like take my glass to Target to be recycled, like that's on me. There's absolutely nobody, including my family, that's like supporting me in any of that. So how does some of those reflective conversations go? Katie, that's such a good question because I'm often wondering like where are the other communities we can sort of learn for, learn this from? And and, and I, if anybody's listening to this and they're doing that, I would love, please contact me because um, I can give you two examples. One would be... Um, we don't just go to the beautiful places. We also go to the broken places in the upper peninsula. So we go out and we pray at places. We're like a mobile, you know, we're like old Testament style. We take our, <laughs> we take our tents, you know, and we sort of plant ourselves into different areas and we go to cemeteries, we go to beautiful waterfalls. Uh, but we also went to one place called the lost city, which was in, it's in Nagani, Michigan. And this was an old mining community that had fallen into such disrepair that it had actually caved in on it itself and they had to move this entire community of people uh you know just hello you've got to move your house we you know and they had to move and transplant these people years ago and now it's a, a park where people can go so we go to these areas and we say um we do not shame people we sh we we question practices I think Ken and I, we have a lot of people in our family who work for the mine and who have no choice but to support their families. But we do question our culture that gives us no other options in a community like ours in the Upper Peninsula, as, but have to go into resource extraction type jobs. So for one example, um, I would, we would stand there and we'd say, well, what is coming out of the mine? Well, nickel and copper. Well, what does the nickel and copper go into? Well, all of my technology that I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to. I'm complicit. And so it's, it's not blaming in a sense, but it is raising those questions of, I am a part of something that I don't like and how then can I have conversations with others to get out of it? But one really good positive thing that I think is coming from this that we're excited about doing in the summer is we said, you know, how can we stop complaining about that. We don't want to get our food from trucked in with all the gas and the carbon coming and, you know, this like very wasteful system of food production. And we said, well, why can't we learn more about permaculture within our own area? And so we're continuing on these dialogues of now reaching out to experts who know permaculture, who know food foresting in our area and who are going to teach us as a faith community 
And there's interest in our diocese as well as using that knowledge into the land within the urban center of the church lawns that never get used. And so there's just a lot of exciting dialogue coming from us saying, how am I a part of a system that I want to change? And then how can I be the change? We're in a hard place. I guess we're between a, a rock and a, and a hard spot in some respects. The uh, So much of our industry is logging and mining and has been forever. Uh, we need to develop some tolerance because um, you can't you can't can't just wipe it all out. Are now the beginnings of new mining uh, plans, which really I think is the place where we need to step in and see if we can halt at some point. The old industry was was the industry that kept us going. So it's um it's a really difficult um uh, I find it hard to be too um hard on on some of the legislators with respect to positions they take because most of their constituents are you know on one side or the other and so and Katie, to bring it back to our original intent of creating this community was listening I did the one on ones with forty to fifty different young adults and just hearing that they were really wanting their church to not take a stance, but just not take a stance on an issue in a sense, but to really just start to get to know their bioregions and just start to really care uh, about um, being people of faith in the world. And right now and in our age, being in the world means having to really sort of talk about these issues from a matter of, in a standpoint of faith. And they were feeling like that wasn't happening. And so um, we got to remember the young people are going to be inheriting all of this. And I think about my son, Katie, probably think about your kids and the future that we're giving them. And I think that Christianity and, and Jesus bring a lot of hope and a way forward in having these discussions. I think Jesus calls us out of comfort in a sense, or just at least to question uh, the normalcy of our lives. And when we go into the wilderness, we're really stripping ourselves, um, of these possessions. And one story I have is um, most people that come with us don't actually bring their cell phone or any sort of form of technology with them. They sort <laughs> of just leave it in the car. I find that so interesting, like not even enough to take a picture. And we do a lot of virtual stuff uh, as well. Uh, we've adapted to going online. And so I sometimes feel horrible. Even Ken knows this, like taking out my 4k camera when we're in the <laughs> middle of nature. I'm like, you guys, I feel horrible, but people are on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just like, there's this weird feeling of not wanting to bring that in there. Why is that? I think it's because we are letting go of these things that possess us. We're depossessing ourselves of things when we go out into nature. And I think that's just a beautiful reality of what we've discovered along this journey. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any, um, any stories of, of people or kind of community interaction that when you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, this is why we do Wild Church. We get a lot of people cross-denominational. Uh, it's kind of fascinating to see who shows up and we will sit in a circle. And sometimes if it feels right, I'll say, if you feel like sharing, if you had a faith identity or you don't have any, you can share that. Um, and Ken knows, I mean, you hear just the whole, the whole gamut of people that are there. It's very interesting. And I had um, somebody show up at one of our outdoor nature prayer services. And I knew her uh, 
I knew her background just personally. We have a very small community. And so I knew she had a lot of trauma with the church that she grew up in. Um, probably wouldn't set foot in a traditional church anymore. So I was really happy she was there. I think it took a lot for her to show up. And she came back after our silent time that everybody had in um, the woods. And she said two things. She said, uh, one was that when I was walking, this uh, dew drop fell on my forehead right in the middle. And I almost felt like I was blessed with holy water. Oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) I don't know uh, that story. That's good. It was just you know, when you know someone's history and then you know that they can experience God again like that. Um, and then I can't remember if this was her or somebody else, but in that same circle, somebody had shared that they had walked into a spider web. And at first they just went, Oh no, a spider web. And they tried to get themselves out of it, but they stopped themselves from struggling in it. And they said, maybe God puts the spiders here to create the webs to catch us so that we stop ourselves to listen to God. So, I mean, when you have people come back and they share these things, you're just like, wow. And the last thing I wanted to share on that, another story is that through the virtual nature hikes that we do, we've got a few people who don't actually live here who attend things. And there's this couple that live in downstate Michigan that show up every once in a while. But when they do, it's just, they're they're not going to go to church anymore. I would say, Ken, you know who I'm talking about. They're like, we are their church. And they're so relieved and refreshed that people are having conversations within a church context that they never got in their own church life, that it's, it's worth it just to have them there. You triggered two or three ideas for me. First of all, if you had a, an audience of the whole wider, like Episcopal or Episcopal and Lutheran churches, what would you want to tell them? Oh, I would love, love. I love this question because I've been <laughs> trying to figure out how can we get the broader church involved in our humble little church church plant here in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, I think that everybody is becoming, when we step into the wild outside for us outdoors, and we literally go outside, we are becoming beholders. We are beholding the wonder and the awe of creation and it is awakening something in us. Right. And I would offer this, I would say we all have the opportunity to become beholders in our own areas to get to know our own bioregions and watersheds. But one of the ways I think that our little community can awaken that so that somebody might feel more inspired to get to know where the Creek by where they're living or to understand why they might want to create permaculture in their own area, how to become a beholder is through these um, virtual nature walks that we take Katie and we do them. um, We're going to be doing, we do one a month and We have the ability now uh, to shoot 4K footage and we have an aerial um, camera that's going to be going up and shooting. And then we come back down on the trail and we walk through the woods together. And each one of these wilderness walks has a different theme. And I would invite anybody in the broader church to just watch one of those and to see if they have something that they want to offer to one of the services. Because much like you're doing right here with this podcast, people just send me voicemails or voice clips, and I integrate those and edit those into the actual walk that we're taking. And I'll tell you what, I need people's voices. And people that have done it have said that they've actually, um, from being a part of that service, felt more empowered to raise their voice up. Um, and they felt more a part of a community of others who were becoming beholders together. So I'd really invite you 
to do that. And just so that people know where to go, Katie, I'll just say our website's really simple. It's upwild.org. And up at the top, there's a video page and we have a catalog of all the past services. So you can get an idea of what those are like. We are in the planning sessions right now to plan out what the summer ones, where they're going to be and what the themes are. So if anybody's interested, please, I'd say become a beholder with us. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, Katie, you're next. I, well, I want to add Go something ahead. to what Landy just said. First of all, the traditional church people can continue to be that. They don't have to give that up. They can participate with the wild church and use it as a supplement. And I find that is the case with some people. Uh, and it just enhances whatever their spiritual being is, I think. I've heard in a lot of circles that the climate crisis that we're experiencing is a result of the spiritual disconnect. I mean, the, the spiritual manifests in the physical, right? But a part of, I think, what we're repenting from is those systems. And to have an, a, a faith community who's rooted in Christ out there planting cedar trees or out there, you know, creating sustainable food um, systems for people in the future when climate gets really bad and it starts to change. And we're saying here, no, we can help feed you. This is a part of our faith. This is a part of walking the way of Jesus. This is the part of way that we love our neighbor. Um, That's what UP wild is planted to be. Um, It's supposed to be, we're supposed to be there for each other and for the community during these times that we're experiencing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was about to ask, yeah. When you pray, when you pray, what do you, what are you praying for? I mean, is there a sense of asking God to save us from ourselves or like, what are the other things that you would say we should be praying for? I think that the first thing that we really are praying for is, is personal. Yeah. I think it's a transformation of our own heart so that we can see the world that God, the way that God sees the world. I think that's what we're really asking for. Um, If Jesus was standing on the banks and the shores of Lake Superior, you know, what would he be doing? Would he be launching rockets up or would he be feeding, you know, taking care of the fish? <laughs> I mean, so it's really, it's quite a personal thing. And we don't ever really try to tell people what to believe. We're just guiding people to um, transform and touch their hearts. I mean, that's what's really been lost in our culture. And I come from a very strong activist background and it's burnt me out. And I've sort of renounced that in a sense and saying, you know, Jesus doesn't call me to just act. I feel like I'm also called to just sit, sit by the shoreline. When we do that, we transform ourselves. We connect to our heart. God speaks to us. We don't need other people to speak to us. So it's just allowing people the space and the opportunity to sit by the shoreline together in community and listen to the waves. I think it's that simple at this point. Thanks so much, Lanny and Ken. And again, to find out more about Wild Church or join in one of their online services, go to upwild.org.